go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Back at it again. It's the Football Playbook with your boy RIC here on this Thursday, September 15th, part 13 edition. 13 shows now on this Jacob Sports channel here. Uh, beautiful day with you today here at the Jersey Shore, checking in, uh, broadcasting around the universe. Oh, by the way, uh, 226 days until the NFL Draft. That's what we do over at the NFLDraftBible.com. Check us out. Our 21st year of coverage now partnered with Sports Illustrated, of course, doing big things with the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, Hub Football, scouting the nation, looking for talent. And uh, we'll do a little bit of that today with my good friend Dan Vandernat, of course, the executive director uh, at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Zach McPherson, by the way, your NFL uh, Special Teams Player of the Week in the NFC. He was uh, NFLPA Collegiate Bowl alumni. And uh, we got a couple guys we want to highlight for you there today. Of course, Dane, 10 years with the uh, then Oakland Raiders, director of pro personnel. And I'm going to ask him about this whole um, Howie Roseman sitting in on the game plan. You know, uh, Howie Roseman, should we just call Howie Mr. Al Davis, the modern day Al Davis? Hey, he does it all. This Howie Roseman, he game plans, he schemes, he he's doing chalk talk over there. He's teaching these coaches a thing or two, huh? Uh, we'll get into that because he played for he he cut his teeth in the business under Mr. Al Davis, God rest his soul. Of course, with uh, Reggie McKenzie there, who actually was a member of the Hogs and uh, you know played a long time in the league. I'm going to ask him: Was Reggie ever in on the game plan? Because at least he played the game. Al Davis was a coach. In the AFL before the Raiders joined the NFL, at least I can pay attention to those. What Howie Roseman? Did you even play football, Howie? I mean, you know, I let's back up off these uh, a little bit there. So we'll get into that with Dane Vandernat, of course. Uh, Neil Stratton from InsideTheLeague.com, always with his finger on the pulse when it comes to the agent and scouting community. And we're gonna have a uh, a conversation about Jalen Hurts and his agent representation and what is. Nicole Lynn's track record or experience with long-term contract negotiations. We'll get into uh, that with uh, Neil Stratton a little bit later on in the show. We got some Eagles transactions, news and notes, um, some things I want to get to. But first, I want to start off today to let everybody know, good morning, all my chat room people. Jeremiah, you're always up early with this man, SMD, Daz, uh, all you guys, uh, Appreciate all the love in the chat room and you're watching from the clouds, my man. Hey, God bless. Uh, <laughs> 226 days till we get Will Anderson. Well, you're going to need a lot of draft equity for that one uh, trade up. Um, but, 
you know, I know a lot of you are, are constantly monitoring or get excited about the NFL draft prospects when we talk about quarterbacks. I got news for you. I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be in the market for a future franchise quarterback. And here's why. I'm here to tell you on this Thursday, September 15th, 2022, that enjoy the ride. I took the magic carpet out today. Enjoy the ride because you are witnessing the maturation of Jalen Hurts. The one Jalen Hurts. I saw a lot to like. And I haven't done a complete deep dive with the All-22, but I, I will tell you this. I've done a deep dive on Jalen. And shout out to our good friend Brian Baldinger, who on the NFL YouTube channel did a great breakdown on Hurts. JT O'Sullivan, uh, great All-22 breakdown. We went back and watched that with him. I watched the Fran Duffy All-22 and just really honed in on Jalen Hurts. And here's what I saw. I saw a better quarterback in terms of poise in the pocket, awareness, pre-snap reads. You could see a couple plays when they did the pre-snap motion. You could see him pick up on the man coverage and which side the blitz was coming from. And even as he dropped back, you could already see that he sensed where the pressure was going to come from as the ball was being snapped. He sensed the awareness, even on his blind side, the mental clock has sped up. And I'll get to more than that in a second. The mental clock has sped up. Not only that, you say, hey, Rick, well, it's only one game. Don't let, let, Let's not get too excited. But did you see the dime he dropped? I think it was a second and two uh, from their own 40. He drops a dime to A.J. Brown almost 40 yards in the air. Now, granted, it was a rainbow, but it was one-on-one coverage. He dropped it right in the breadbasket downfield. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I watched every single snap of every single Eagles game last year, but I did in week one, and I do know I watched a lot of Jalen Hurts coming out of college. You know what one of the biggest knocks was? Not only accuracy, but can he throw the deep ball? Are you kidding? He can throw the deep ball. Now, does he have the lasers? (laughs) Does he have the cannon gun rocket arm? No, but he doesn't need it to succeed in this offense. And he knows when to take his shots. Like that dime downfield to A.J. Brown, he knew it was one-on-one coverage. He said, let me throw it up, give my guy a shot. A.J. Brown comes down with it nine times out of ten. A.J. Brown's going to do what A.J. Brown does. So the other good thing I saw was even if they, you know, you you hear the phrase, oh, he threw him open. Well, even if the receiver was open, the timing, the touch, the ball placement, the ball placement was key. I saw a lot of plays where he led the receiver – so that they can continue to gain positive yardage after the catch. Did it a bunch with A.J. Brown, saw it with Dallas Goddard on a play, and that's a big deal because finding the 
open person is big, but being able to lead the open receiver to gain additional yards after the catch is critical. And that's the difference. That's that's the little things that win ball games. Now, yeah, you're right. Uh, somebody in the chat said, hey, getting hit 20 times a game, that's risque. That's risque business. If the Eagles are going to be playing in the Super Bowl, that's 20 games, 17, you know, that's 400 hits. He won't be, he won't make it to the Super Bowl if that's how it is. And, and we'll have confirmed, by the way, tomorrow, Coach John D. Filippo making a cameo on a football Friday. I was talking to him a little bit offline. Is that sustainable football? Coach Flip is going to come back tomorrow, break it down, chop it up, tell you what he thinks. Oh, by the way, we'll have our good friend Eric Edholm. So it'll be a football Friday extravaganza bonanza. We're looking forward to tomorrow's show. But for today, I want to talk more about Jalen Hurts because if you saw my Twitter promo online today, I said I have hard, concrete evidence that Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback. How do you determine that, Rick? Well, it's a lot of variables, right? But here's one stat. I'm not a big stat guy. Shout out to Tim McManus for digging this up, by the way, over there at ESPN. Um, 2.55 seconds. 2.55 seconds. That was the average time that it took for Jalen Hurts to get rid of the ball in week one. Now. Now. Small body of work. You can argue, and I saw this a lot too, he really had no time to throw on certain plays. So as soon as he dropped back and Aiden Hutchinson, he didn't make he didn't show up on the stat sheet, but Aiden Hutchinson was back there now. But kudos to Hertz for again feeling the pressure, stepping up in the pocket, making big plays with his feet when he had to. Oh, by the way, <laughs> that that Rodrigo hip toss on Jason Kelsey that's gone viral now. Kelsey came out and addressed it and said, hey, that was impressive. We got to clean some things up, especially on the blitz packages. J Jalen Hurts was under duress. In fact, nobody, nobody got blitzed more in week one than Jalen Hurts other than Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes 21 times, Jalen Hurts 15 times. My point is, all he did was improvise and make plays. Now, why do you say 2.55 seconds is such a big deal? It's a big deal because last year, Jalen Hurts took 3.12 seconds to get rid of the ball. Dead last. Dead last in the NFL amongst starting quarterbacks. So even if you say, well, hey, Rick, he was under duress. He didn't have much time. I don't care. That's almost a 0.6 second differential. You know how much time in the NFL, especially in the pocket, a half a second is? It's the difference between death and survival. A whole half a second in the pocket difference or getting rid of the ball, that's the difference between life and death in the NFL. So say what you want. It's a small sample size. But when you start stacking the chips and putting it all together, it's called progress. That's what we want to see. Progression. It's right there in front of your eyes. If you don't want to choose to see it or believe it, that's on you. 
It's right there in front of your face. We are witnessing the maturation of Jalen Hurts right in front of your face. It's going down. Now, some other things that I liked. Again, I want to I want to emphasize from 3.12 down to 2.55. That is significant improvement. I don't care how much under pressure he was. That is called significant improvement. Under duress, 15 blitzes. Zero turnovers. That's big. One sack. That's big. We talk about how great Patrick Mahomes is against pressure. Give Jalen Hurts some props. Give Jalen Hurts his due. What's funny, though, <laughs> right, I don't want to gas him up too much. What's funny is when I watch Jalen in the pocket as a traditional drop-back quarterback, watching his three-step, five-step drops, rarely do we get a seven-step, and if it is, the mechanics are hideous. Ironically enough, that's where Jalen Hurts looks the most uncomfortable is a traditional drop back passer. Because Jalen's an improviser. That's what he does best. The Eagle season is going to ride or die with that style of play. Week one is an indicator of what's to come. And you, you expect them to clean up the pass coverage. But it's going to be an indicator now. Again, 17 rushes, 20 hits, taking helmet-to-helmet hits from Tracy Walker. It's only a matter of time before that catches up with you. Go ask our good friend Carson Wentz, right? So some things to clean up. The mechanics, I mean, you know, I'll be be curious to – pick coach flips brain on this tomorrow like the three-step five-step drops are so small usually you like to see more spacing in his dropbacks, but he's so used to scrambling and improvising and moving around it's almost like he's uncomfortable being a traditional drop back passer so i don't want to make him that because he feels good moving around creating plays extending plays And now as you're witnessing getting rid of the ball much faster, which is going to really, really, you know, work wonders, I think. And we talk about he got off to the worst start of his game, uh, of his career in this game, 0 for 5. I think he had another five passes, four or five passes that he threw out of bounds where he avoided the sack. So take away the rough start, kick the rust off the tires, take away those four or five bad throws. Suddenly that eight, That 18 for 32 is more like 18 for 24. Jalen Hurts played a heck of a ball game, guys. (laughs) If anybody tells you otherwise, I don't know. I don't know. um, I don't know what they're watching. You know, (laughs) Jalen Hurts is good, man. And not only that, you want another stat? I got him for you. The first quarterback in NFL history. Whoa. First quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 and run for 1,000 through his first 20 games. Pretty damn impressive, if you ask me. 
4,000 passing, 1,000 rushing in his first 20 games. The only quarterback in NFL history. You can make an argument today, Jalen Hurts, maybe the most dangerous dual threat running back in the NFL. Because I think right now he might be a better passer than Lamar Jackson. You want to call Patrick Mahomes dual threat? Uh, he can, He can hurt you. He can hurt you. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is necessarily looking to run. Jalen is looking to run when he gets that opportunity. He is. So I think Jalen is, is a dual threat. I think Lamar Jackson's a dual threat. You could state a case. Jalen Hurts is the most dangerous dual threat passer in the NFL right now. So show me the money, Jalen. We'll talk more about that later on the show with Neil Stratton and what can be anticipated since how he how he has a track record now of you know signing a guy to a long-term deal earlier rather than later and getting a little bit of a discount. Go see Jordan Mulata. However, quarterback, a different nature of the beast. Different nature of the beast. Because if you if you guarantee money on the quarterback, somebody else is got to go. Probably. Various others are going to have to go. So not only that, do you really think three years into the Nick Sariani regime that they're really going to blow it up on a rookie quarterback? Do you really believe that? That year one, they go to the playoffs. If they don't go to the playoffs this year with Dak Prescott being out for half the season, then what are we really talking about? They're going to go to the playoffs this year. Do you think, especially if they make a deep run, they're just going to blow it all up because they don't want to pay Jalen and go draft a rookie quarterback? I don't think so. I just don't think so. And for all the kudos and praise that we give Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, if I got to go win a game tomorrow, Jalen Hurts is battle-tested. I know what I'm getting. We talked about yesterday, there's – there's a price to be paid for competent quarterback play. And so I went and said, hey, what are the other alternatives? I don't think the Eagles draft a rookie quarterback. I don't. So what are the other alternatives? Gardner Menchie on a one-year deal? Unlikely he'll be back. So who are some of those quarterbacks hitting the free agency market? You want to roll the dice on Baker Mayfield? He'll be available. How about his compadre there in Carolina? You want Sam Darnold? You want the Carolina's scraps, leftovers? You want to choose Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold? I got news for you. Carolina Panthers will be looking for a new quarterback next year. You want their left leftover trash? Jimmy Garoppolo? Restructured one-year deal. He'll be available. I got news for you. Probably got to pay Jimmy G just as much as Jalen Hurts. You really want to do that? Who's the next best available after that? Daniel Jones? <laughs> you want to you want to get on the Daniel Jones experiment? You want to bring Teddy Bridgewater in here? How about Jacoby Brissett? Because those are the cream of the crop free agents, if that's what you're looking to do. If you're trying to upgrade the quarterback, I don't know if you're going to find it in free agency. Those, those are the best available quarterbacks come March. 
in terms of veterans. You want to go to war with one of those guys? Baker Mayfield will never cut it in this city. Never. They will. Philadelphia will gobble up Baker Mayfield, chew him up, and spit him out within one season. He'll be out of here. He'll be one and done if they brought in Baker Mayfield. He ain't kind of here. No way. This guy's full of excuses. Jalen Hurts, cool as a cucumber. That's my quarterback. Jalen, you watching, bro? (laughs) That's my quarterback. I'm just saying. Stop denying what, what we're all witnessing. The maturation of Jalen Hurts. How many years are we going to develop Jalen? This is his second year as a starter. And we're already seeing progress in week one. The blonde boy. Come on, son. Do you want a Daniel Jones experiment? He's going on year four. I put on New York Sports Talk Radio. The, the talking heads are saying, oh, well, we're still trying to figure out, like, this could be our franchise quarterback. Really? After 40 starts, did you see? How about this? Jalen Hurts won that game for the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. Did he not? Did he not? Yes, he did. I've watched every single start of Daniel Jones' career, unfortunately. I never saw one game the New York football Giants won because of Daniel Jones. Four years in the making. This guy's never put his team on the back and won a game single-handedly. Never! Saquon Barkley won that game for them the other day. The kicker for Tennessee! Won that game for the Giants the other day. Jalen Hurts won the game for his team on Sunday. That's what quarterbacks do. That's what good quarterbacks do. You got a good one in Jalen Hurts. Okay? So I wanted to get that off my chest here today. We got Dane Vandernack coming up in just a little while. Uh, We'll get into, you know, some of the Howie Roseman shenanigans. Oh, by the way, Coyote, Oiska, Coyote. I always butcher his name, even coming out of Buffalo. Uh, Eagles lose him to the Detroit Lions off of the practice squad. Um, listen, he, he's he got, you know, inside-outside versatility. We saw the Lions were down to, like, their third-string guard. Uh, both Big V, Tommy Kramer, injured. Logan Stenberg was in there. Um, so they 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 signed Coyote off the practice squad. He only appeared in 43 snaps during week 17 last season. So he never really got on the field for Philly. And it's hard to blame Coyote because when you sign somebody off of a, another team's practice squad onto your 53-man roster, you've got to keep him active for at least four weeks or pay him. For, for being on the active roster for four weeks. So Coyote gets a big raise. Instead of making $11,500 on the practice squad in Philadelphia, he'll be guaranteed at least $39,000 a week on the active roster for the Lions. So in, in four weeks, he'll make $160,000. Hey, not bad. I do the same thing. couple other news and notes. We mentioned the uh, Rodrigo hip toss on Jason Kelsey. Um, 
you know, one last note from the Lions game. That was the first time, believe it or not, since 2017 that they actually had to sell standing room only tickets for a non-Thanksgiving game. So uh, they're saying this was the Lions Super Bowl, right? They were all gassed up off of the hard knocks, sold out for the first time in however many years. Like, hey, the Eagles, they got punched in the mouth and they took it. Let's see how the commanders do this week. I think the commanders are with the Lions. I think the Lions are going to win that game. How about that? And then, you know, listen, one other point I wanted to make, and we'll talk more with Dan Vandernat coming up after the break about Zach McPherson, his special team savvy. How about Britton Covey? How about Britton Covey with the big play? Really, really went uh, overlooked. And, and shout out to Dave Zangaro for posting the clip. Little details of the game that sometimes you miss in passing. On a fair catch, Zach Pascal basically bumped right into Kobe as he was fielding the punt, and Kobe handled it like a pro. And special teams coach Michael Clay called him. He said it's like having a veteran back there with rare composure. So Britton Kobe, I think, is going to be earning that 53-man roster spot. Both he and Noah Togiai got elevated from the practice squad last week. Neither one is currently on the 53-man roster, but I have a feeling Kobe is going to be the guy. And granted, you know, he had one punt return for 11 yards, another one for two. But to me, special teams is such an important element of the game. That that fair catch could have been the difference between a, a win or a loss. So shout out to Brenton Kobe. I don't think he got enough love um, for his play. All right. By the way, Jalen Hurts accounted for 77% of the Eagles offense. That's the kind of void you'd be trying to have to replace should you look in another direction. So, hey, we're just getting started here on the football playbook. Part 13 edition here on this Thursday, September 15th. Rick Saratella here at the Jersey Shore. We're broadcasting around the universe on the Jacob Sports Channel. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Get all the show notifications. And, of course, like, like, like. Like the show. Hook your boy up. Uh, we got a lot more underway right after this. I'm going to ask Dane Vandernat, who worked under Al Davis, who worked under Reggie McKenzie as the director of pro personnel for 10 years with the Oakland Raiders. Was Reggie was, was Reggie in those game plan meetings? How how common or uncommon is that? We're going to ask Dane Vandernat right after the break. Brought to you by Ocean Casino and Resorts. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. 
We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Grooving here on the Football Playbook, Part 13 edition on this Thursday, September 15th, presented by Ocean Casino and Resorts down in Atlantic City. Make sure you get down there for the gallery on the uh, Monday night football affair for the Vikings and Eagles. Pre and post game, it's going down. And it's going down right here every Thursday. We've got the NFLPA Collegiate Ball Director of College Scouting, Dane Vandernat joining us here on the Football Playbook, checking in from the Midwest, Kansas City. Good morning, Dane. How are you today, brother? Doing great, my man. How are we doing, Rick? Uh, I'm doing phenomenal. Anytime I'm talking to Dane Vandernat, it's a tutorial Thursday. Uh, we're going to educate and regulate, of course, Dane spending 10 years as Director of Pro Personnel for the then Oakland Raiders, now Executive Director for the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. We'll get into some of your scouting trails in just a minute, but... Our friend John McMullen yesterday here on the uh, Jacob Sports Network breaking the news that uh, defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, he got himself into a little bit of hot water, maybe some loose lips sometimes sink ships, and he was referring to the defensive game plan, the process that they go through each week, and yes, head coach Nick Sariani, they sit down, they attack the game plan, and Oh, by the way, Howie Roseman's also there, uh, giving his input, the uh, modern-day Al Davis, uh, that Howie Roseman. He's got his fingerprints on everything these days. So uh, I want to ask you, who's been in the room, who's been in the building, and has been in these meetings, what's the divide there between the front office and the head coaching staff? 
I alluded to uh, Reggie McKenzie, the GM you worked under. He actually played the game. So I could see him maybe giving some input and feedback. But Howie Roseman, come on. Like, how uncommon or common is this, Dane? It's pretty uncommon, Rick. Um, and it, to be quite honest, it's a very testy situation because, you know, there's there are fine lines of what the GM's responsible for and what the coaching staff is responsible for. And, you know, oftentimes – those are clearly defined and you stay out of the other one's lane and you allow that person who's an expert in that field to do just that, right. To do their job. Um, you know, so it, it is not very commonly done. Reggie was never in those types of meetings. If there was ever a question, whether it was Dennis Allen or Jack Del Rio or John Gruden for that final year, um, you know, he was an open door and was happy to provide whatever insight he could but as far as game planning and preparation for opponents, we on the pro staff, we would give our report on Mondays of the players, give some background on who the opponents were going to be, uh, talk about some of the strengths, weaknesses that we saw, any type of substitution habits and or um, you know patterns that we, we clued in on. But then it was all hands off from the personnel side, and it's up to the coaching staff to come up with a game plan and to put those players in position to succeed. Um, so, you know, for Howie, we know that he runs the ship there in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, he survived the Chip Kelly era, if you will. And, um, you know, got to rebound and win the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson, uh, made the decision to hire Nick Sirianni. So, you know, whereas most of the time the GM and head coach or peers in, in Philadelphia's situation, Howie Roseman's clearly on top and has the opportunity to be the grand poopah and oversee things if he wants to. Um, and I would liken it, Rick, to I would assume that he's there with a, a, a an analytical approach to it. Are there opportunities for him to provide insights that he and his staff on the analytics side may be able to offer? Um, you know, but, you know, typically personnel decisions are not factored in there, if you will, in these uh, type of uh, game plan meetings. No, it's an interesting dynamic. And you mentioned the Chip Kelly tenure, uh, maybe Howie feeling a little bit insecure because of how he got handled during that Chip Kelly regime. And now that he does have full autonomy, he wants to make sure that, you know, his, his fingerprints are going to be on this. Uh, blueprint on this game plan on the personnel on the scheme however i think you're riding a slip slippery slope because eventually that trickles down to the locker room and the players start questioning okay well who's really calling the shots here right and so you know we're going to continue to monitor this situation we'll see how it unfolds throughout the rest of the year but just wanted to get your perspective on that as someone who worked under a general manager who played the game. I wanted to know how, how common or uncommon is this? And so it's not very common, as you heard Dane Vandernat say here on the football playbook, breaking it down, chopping it up every Thursday here. All right. Um, Zach McPherson, somebody we had at the NFL PA collegiate bowl out of Texas tech uh, played his ass off out there. And he's made a name for himself with the Philadelphia Eagles coming out. Week one, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. I just talked about it before the commercial break. Even though the NFL has kind of devalued the return game in the modern-day era, I still believe special teams is one-third of the game because these plays are the different. Like, they that 
one or one special teams play could be the difference between a win and a loss. No question. And I always thought that the good teams really prioritize and they understand how to utilize their personnel for special teams. For instance, Rick, as you and I, you know, discussed when we're going through, you know, our preparations for the collegiate bowl, you know, you know that, okay, your starters on offense and defense, they may not, you know, participate in special teams. Now, Bill Belichick has had his starters play on special teams before, and that's kind of a staple of the Patriots regime, who I would say, you know, prioritize special teams more than probably any other NFL club. But aside from the starters, if you want to suit up on that 46-man game day roster, you need to have a role on special teams, right? Because we know that, okay, first, second, you know, uh, string wide receivers, they're on the field just about every snap of the game. But that third, fourth, fifth wide receiver, if you want to be active, you better be out there on punt, punt return, kickoff, kick return, et cetera, whether you're the returner or not. Obviously, backup linebackers, backup tight ends, backup running backs, backup defensive backs, all mainstays and really your core group of special teams players are going to come from those position groups. So, you know, the good teams, in my opinion, they build their roster taking into account, okay, who are going to be guys that not just because you're the fifth linebacker, are we going to assume that you're a halfway decent special teams player? No, we're going to go into it ingraining in our players. If you want to make the team, you need to be a mainstay. You need to develop your skills here, not just your specific uh, offensive or defensive position group, but also your special teams uh, you know, groups that you're going to be in. So, um, you know what, for Zach, obviously super proud of him, man. Love seeing our guys go out there and do great things. He's one of six NFL PA Bowl alumni, Rick, that we have uh, on the Eagles. So, you know, really fired up for him and, and for our guys to have these opportunities. And you love when you see, you know, hey, look, um, you know, these late rounders, these undrafted free agents, the guys that, you know, have to really go out there and earn every opportunity they get you love to see them go out there and take advantage of, of, of the opportunity, just like Zach has, man, being named special teams player of the week. That's awesome for him. Yeah, Howie Roseman, obviously a fan of the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. I know they had quite a few players from our all-star event on the roster, and I see some good questions coming in from the chat room that we'll get to in just a second. But uh, I know Josh Sills is one of my personal favorites, and we talked about his versatility in the past. Let's highlight some of those NFL PA Bowl players on the Eagle squad. Who we got? Yeah, your man, Sean Bradley there, Rick, oh, from yeah. uh, uh, Temple Tough, right? Um, you know, Sean Bradley's been out there on the 53. Uh, you know, he's special one of Special teams. Special, special teams. teams. I was just yeah. going to say, taking the words out of my mouth. But, you know, he is one of those core special teams guys, as you know, Rick, very fast, physical He's going to run down there and he's going to go run through a wall if he needs to. So uh, fired up for Sean to continue to have opportunities. You mentioned Josh Sills, who was out at our game. This this most recent game we had versatile player. I think he's played five positions between West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Tough, uh, smart, physical offensive lineman providing great backup. And that's the thing, too. We talk about special teams. But when you're an offensive lineman, Rick, and we talk about this all the time, you know, you want to be on that 46 game day, you have to play multiple positions for an offensive lineman. While Josh probably is not going to be lining up at left tackle anytime soon, uh, you know, he has a position uh, flexibility to play left guard, right guard, right tackle, even center in a pinch. So uh, really fired up for Josh. 
Jack Stahl, who we had two years ago, uh, tight end from Nebraska, big meathead kind of guy. And I say that in the most complimentary way ever. Uh, but, you know, he's just a blue collar, lunch pail type tight end that's going to go out there. He'll go and give you his all on special teams. He can come in. He can block. He can catch in the short intermediate pass game. Uh, really happy for Jack. The number two tight end here in Philly, by the way. He's 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 the backup to Goddard now. He's played a yep. key role, and we saw him on twelve personnel. He is getting at, getting after it in that blocking game now. That's what he does, man. That that's where he brings that value. Uh, and then Coyote Owasika on the practice squad, offensive tackle from Buffalo. Highly, highly, highly intelligent young man. Um, you know, one of my favorite guys that we had a chance to interview two years ago, Rick. Um, you know, so, you know, he's going to continue to earn his right there. You see these tackles flying off these practice squads, Rick, right? Unfortunately, then we saw this with our man Caleb Jones up in Green Bay recently. But, you yeah. know, due to the injuries that are happening around the league, um, you know, these guys are really starting to all get elevated off practice squads. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Coyote activated. Well, here long. as a matter of fact, just – Late yesterday, it came down the wire. The Lions are going to sign Coyote off the Eagles practice squad. So Coyote's in for a little pay raise here this week. Man, you, you, we're only down to five Eagles for their <laughs> goal alums then, Rick. All right, darn it. Uh, but Noah Togiai, uh, our last one uh, from mm -hmm. our first game at the Collegiate Bowl together there, Rick, a couple years ago, tight end from Oregon State. Another versatile uh, type tight end can help you on special teams can be a catcher we'll go in there and block for you so you know another position versatility guy you know which is obviously a theme that we talk about repeatedly and that we'll always talk about those are those are the guys that make the NFL or the guys that are going to add value in multiple ways so uh, fired up for all of our Eagles uh, that are NFL PA Bowl alums. Yeah, Noah Togia. I remember he was a late call-up, too. Our good friend Dave McLuhan, who's now with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a scout. And uh, I had a chance to see him out there when he was coming out with Jacob Lute in Oregon State. They had a bunch of players that year. But he he was a late call over to our game in Pasadena, came in, made a strong impression. And he was called up, actually, on game day from the 53-man uh, practice squad in week one. So uh, him and Stahl. Uh, NFL PA Bowl dual alumni uh, providing uh, some tight end depth here in Philadelphia. Now, um, we got some good questions coming in from the chat room because the Eagles are playing the Vikings Monday night football. And so a little bit uh, gamesmanship, maybe. Janarius Robinson signed off of the uh, Vikings 53-man roster. Now, uh, they lost uh, – the, the defensive end, and they go and look Hard for ahead. a guy on a squad that plays a similar defense. Ed Donatel, Jonathan Gannon, both playing that Vic Fangio defense. Now, I got to ask you, and I'll combine that there's a rumor out there Jalen Rager brought the, the Eagles playbook with them out to Minnesota. I don't know how true that is, but when you sign a guy off of an opponent's practice squad the week of a game, just days before, I don't think they're signing Janarius Robinson to play here, Dane, are they? I would. Is this a little bit of gamesmanship or a little bit of player development or a little bit of both? I mean, take us through this thought process. What, what are the Eagles really doing here? My guess is both, Rick, to answer your question. And I say that only because, you know, we talked about Janarius a couple years ago uh, when he was coming out of Florida State, right? Big, good-looking, physical, athletic body guy just that you always wanted a little bit more from. You expected to have more production. You wanted to see that motor kind of running constant, if you will. So 
Unfortunately, he was he was injured last year for Minnesota, so never got on the field as a pro. And then the new new regime, new head coach, new general manager up in up in uh, Minneapolis, they let him go at the fifty three, obviously, and sign him back to the practice squad. So, a guy that still has upside, right? A guy with a with a high ceiling, but you just need to get more out of. And we'll see if Jonathan Gannon and this uh, coaching staff can help, you know, Janaris become the player that he can be, we'll just say. Now, th- there is that gamesmanship, though, because what better team to sign a guy off of than the one you're about to play? Obviously, the Vikings know this. They're going to take it into account. They're going to, you know, hey, okay, what are the things he's taking to our opponent this week? What Are, are there any calls or checks that he's going to alert them to that, you know, is going to potentially tip a hand. There is that gamesmanship. However, it's typically overblown because what he'll take to the Eagles is not going to be a ton that they'll be able to incorporate in a short amount of time and with a whole lot of certainty, right? Because knowing that the Vikings are now going to change some things just specifically for this Eagles matchup, right? It's tough to go in there and feel super confident. Hey, we, you know, we've got all the tips and we know all the trades that they're going to try this week. No, that won't be the case. So, um, you know, there is a little bit of gamesmanship. They'll ask him for a couple things here and there. But for the most part, I think they're signing more of a player with that high upside, if you will, and see if you can strike gold stealing another practice squad player. No, interesting points here. Dane Vandernat, executive director, NFL PA Bowl. But you, you mentioned that Vikings, they might have to switch up some things now because of this transaction. So everybody's looking for an edge. Everybody's looking to disrupt the opponent. And the Vikings now have to take that into consideration and factor that in. One last question I wanted to ask you, because to me, I look at the Eagles as a, a, a as a team built to win now. And so I my immediate thought process was like, hey, Maybe kick the tires on a JPP. Everson Griffin's out there. You know, he took last year off due to some mental health issues. Lane Johnson is a guy who kind of went through a similar thing. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. Uh, you know, I, I thought just, Justin Houston was retired. I think I saw his name show up in the stat box. But there's a guy, like, he's still giving you 15, 20 reps to just go chase the quarterback. Break down and weigh the risk-reward against a – over the hill aging veteran on the back nine versus a guy like Janarius Robinson who hasn't seen field action, but was just a fourth round pick just two years ago, a year ago. Yeah. What's the risk and reward value when you make that kind of decision? The biggest risk with the guys, especially if they weren't in a training camp, right? This year, when you talk about the guys that have been on a street for, you know, let's just say six months, if they, you know, played in 2021 for an NFL team, and then their contract expired and they haven't been doing much other than going to 24 hour fitness for, you know, the last six months, it's tough to get those guys and to get them into your program and in the physical and, um, you know, right condition to go out and go play in an NFL game. Right. That part's tough. And especially when you're talking about an older player, you're talking about a player who's going to be more susceptible to injury because you're an older player, because you have more vested years, under the collective bargaining agreement, that means your minimum salary is also higher. So, you know, despite the fact that we're out of the termination pay, uh, you know, quagmire, if you will, now that week one has passed, which means that the, the pay won't be guaranteed if a player is injured or subsequently also released. Um, despite the fact that we're kind of through that, um, you still have to take into account, you know, 
one, I'm going to be paying a higher salary and, you know, two for a player that is not going to be able to give me as much. We'll be taking the place of a younger player, right, Rick, that could play special teams. We could ask Janaris Robinson to go run down there to, you know, participate in kick return to, you know, play in punt and punt return, et cetera. He does have that type of athleticism. If you go and sign an older veteran, he's not going to give you as much in a special teams capacity in that backup role, despite the fact you may be hoping to get him 15 third down snaps a game or obvious pass, you know, snaps a game. So, you know, you do take away that aspect of it, um, you know, while also having, you know, a player who's going to be more susceptible to injury, as we mentioned. Rick Saratella, the football playbook here with Dane Vandernat. He's on location across the nation. We're always looking for talent at the NFLPA Collegiate Ball. You heard a handful of players from our event on the Eagles roster, uh, 65 players on the active man roster, practice squad, or injured reserve from last year's event. I think approximately 250. The numbers change every day uh, from the NFLPA littered across the league. Our alumni are everywhere. And so I know let's – change some gears here over to the college football side because uh, we are looking for the next class of 2023 for our 11th annual NFL PA collegiate bowl coming up here in January, which is right around the corner, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, I know you've got your, your, your uh, first camp Randall experience and make sure you follow Dane on Twitter, by the way, at D Vandernat uh, for all his behind the scenes travels and scouting trails and tribulations. But uh, give us the Camp Randall experience. Did you stop on any uh, tailgates on the way into the stadium, Dane? And who who were some of the players that you saw out there? Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, Rick. You know, as you mentioned, you know, I've been up to Wisconsin before uh, to go drop into practice and speak with the coaches, but it was my first time ever going to a game there at Camp Randall. What a cool setup they have. Uh, you know, I had to park a little ways away, Rick, you know, so I, you know, I got my steps in going to and from the parking structure to the stadium. But I'll tell you what, coming back, especially after when I was leaving the game, you can see they've got some they've got some party places going on along that street there. And, you know, some fun outdoor uh, bars and restaurants that, you know, the, the, the game was going on. I'll admit I left during the second half of the game and. Um, you know, while it was going on, these places were packed, right? There were a lot of Badger fans in there already. They were uh, enjoying the sunlight, if you will, and imbibing a couple beverages. And I'm sure that carried well into the night over there. So Madison, Wisconsin was a really fun place. But, you know, some of the guys we highlighted that we talked about, Rick, Wisconsin, we know Wisconsin, right? They, they want to run the football and play good defense. And they've got, you know, two really good uh, interior prospects and offensive lineman, Tyler Beach, plays left guard for him, played right tackle last year, had played left tackle before. More natural interior offensive lineman, Rick, uh, still has the size, physical, smart, tough, everything you traditionally expect out of Wisconsin offensive lineman. And then on the other side of the ball, I really wanted to see uh, Keanu Benton, who is a big nose guard for the Badgers. And the thing that impressed me the most, Rick, he's the team leader. You can see pregame, man. He gets that entire 85-man squad together in the end zone after pregame warm-ups. He breaks them down. He provides the motivation. Uh, you know, he fills all those interior rush lanes. He can walk offensive linemen back to the quarterback. He's a powerful, powerful man. So it was great to see him. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, or excuse me, for the uh, other opponent, the victorious Washington State uh, um, 
shoot cougars there for cougars, pardon yeah. me I'm, I'm i'm having a you know brain meltdown over here rick All but good, uh, for the cougars man linebacker recent transfer uh from nevada looked really good running on out there uh made every single tackle rick one of those guys we sit there and say shoot this guy play after play uh is coming down that was number one henley the linebacker for um for washington state man highly instinctive great size length uh, was in on every single run play only overshadowed I'd say as a senior by the running back Nakia Watson who you know went off for Washington State scored two touchdowns one rushing one receiving former Wisconsin Badger Rick so he got to, you know he was there as a backup for three years back. transferred over to Washington State go get some play time got to go back and be part of the triumphant uh, visiting team uh, uh, leaving Camp Randall there with a big dub. Yeah, I know Washington State has kind of had a coaching carousel going on over the last few years. So they get off uh, to a good start against Wisconsin, who, you know, you talk about Wisconsin offensive linemen, you know, they always come polished, whether they're limited athletically or not. That's a whole nother story. But you're going to get that, um, you know, I call it cornfield toughness. Right. I mean, uh, these guys are just tough, hard nosed players. They're well coached, fundamentally sound. There's just certain programs, Wisconsin, I would put Boston College in there, Pittsburgh, like you just know, Michigan State, you just know you're getting a well-coached offensive lineman. And you mentioned Keanu, who I think has the chance to be a potential top 100 overall prospect. So uh, definitely some names to keep an eye on there. All right, where are the uh, scouting trails taking the one Dane Vandernet this weekend? Well, you know, I'm actually heading back out to Manhattan, Kansas, going to go see the uh, the Wildcats of K-State. They host the the Green Wave of Tulane this weekend in a game that you, you might not think is is overly sexy uh, to a certain degree. But I'll tell you what, Rick, uh, you know, Tulane's got some players over there. I really wanted to go see, uh, you know, th this matchup, if you will. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Kansas State, as we've talked about before, man, you know, they've got a couple really good looking corners, some big tall guys over there for them. Um, you know, they've obviously have Deuce Vaughn, who's a redshirt junior, but underclassman, he's really fun and impressive to watch. But, you know, Malik Knowles, the wide receiver, he's continues to make plays. You had uh, Phillip Brooks, the little slot returner. He made a big punt return for a touchdown for K-State. But Tulane, Rick, they, they're sneaky down there. Uh, you know, non-conference opponent going on up. They got some dudes that are going to be playing in the NFL. From Cameron Carroll, a little running back, or really a power running back that they have. Deuce Watts, big wide receiver. We talked about him last year, Rick. He returned back for his super senior season. Uh, you know, Dorian Williams, good-looking linebacker that they have, a dude that can run and hit. And then they've got some dudes in the secondary, guys like Larry Brooks, a strong safety. He's going to be that standard bear on special teams in the NFL next year. Um, uh, Macon Clark, a uh, nice size corner there, long arms, thickly built, can play some nickel if you wanted to. So uh, Tulane, don't sleep on them. K-State's look dominant these first couple weeks over South Dakota and then against Mizzou, but they better not be you know, looking too far ahead because Tulane's showing up with uh, a pretty good-looking squad and also well-coached there by, uh, by, by Coach Fritz. Yeah, Coach Fritz was uh, over there at the HBCU Bowl, I believe, down in Tulane, who hosted the uh, event. And listen, there's a lot of players that get overlooked in that hotbed of uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, 
area that, you know, LSU doesn't scoop them all up. There's some talent that trickles down there to Lane. And uh, Kansas State, I mentioned uh, earlier in the week, Scott Frost out in Nebraska, that Lance Lapoid there at Kansas State, he's a name that has come up often, and he's got a track record uh, of building programs, going to Wisconsin Whitewater. And then he had Buffalo uh, roaring high and, of course, taking out, taking over for the Hall of Fame coach Snyder there at Kansas State. So uh, another a great matchup that Dane Vandernat will be in attendance for. Make sure you follow him at D Vandernat for all the behind-the-scenes coverage there. Of course, NFL PA Bowl is on location across the nation. You can go to collegiate.nflpa.com, and up there right now you'll find Dane Vandernat's uh, scouting evaluations and players uh, that he saw here that he talked about, some other players he didn't have time to mention, as well as our NFL PA Bowl alumni spotlight, uh, which highlights different players throughout the years that have participated in the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl who are now making uh, waves and doing big willy things at the next level. It's what we do uh, here each Thursday with Dane Vandernat. All right, Dane, real quickly here, I got to let you go. Any other games? I know you'll be traveling, but any other games that stand out to you here this weekend on the college football docket? You know, I got a couple. I mean, you know, Penn State at Auburn. I want to see, you know, hey, Big Ten, a good ranked Big Ten team going down south and playing at Auburn. All right. It, for this one, it's purely just Big Ten versus SEC. Want to see this SEC defense of Auburn. They got some horses in the linebacking core. Derek Hall, Owen Popo, forgive me if I butcher these names, and Eco Leota against really, you know, Sean Clifford and the wide receiver uh, Mitchell Tinsley for Penn State that have been lighting it up a little bit. We're going to see which team's for real. Same with Miami at Texas A&M. How's Texas A&M going to respond coming off an embarrassing home loss, you know, playing the Hurricanes. Last time we saw the Hurricanes play an SEC team, it didn't go too well for them. So, you know, are the Hurricanes for real? Can, you know, can they go and take on, um, you know, Texas A&M down there in College Station and come out with a victory? I got to throw out Missouri State at Arkansas. Bobby Petrino, head coach at Missouri State, returning back to Fayetteville, Arkansas, right on down the road there. Uh, you know, actually, they've got an interesting matchup there between a corner and a receiver I want to watch. But, you know, really, Rick, it's BYU at Oregon. Is BYU for real, right? Uh, you know, a, a non-Power 5 team going to Eugene, Oregon. Which Bo Nicks are we going to see for, for, the, for the Ducks? Is Oregon, how can they rebound still, you know, after getting shellac there against Georgia a couple weeks back, you know, and then this quarterback for BYU, Jaron Hall, running back, Chris Brooks, can they continue to put pressure on Oregon's offense, even though they're going to likely be without wide receiver uh, Puka Nuko? So, um, you know, really anxious to see that game, really all, all four of these games that I mentioned, Rick, and how they're going to, uh, all kind of play out here and how are these players going to shine and elevate themselves uh, as far as NFL draft and, and NFL scouting is concerned. Now some good names to keep an eye on this weekend, Jalen Hall out of BYU, someone who has a lot of love in the scouting community. We really don't talk much about him as one of the premier quarterbacks, but if you want a dark horse candidate who could rise up draft boards, that Jalen Hall is, is certainly worth considering a&M coming off the loss against the 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 uh, Appalachian State Mountaineers. They're going to be pissed off, ready to go, uh, see if they fare better against the ACC Miami Hurricanes. And, yeah, I agree. Penn State, man, 
I think this team is is better than people realize. And if they could get the uh, big big victory in Auburn, I think that'll bode well for for their standing in the AP poll anyway. Um, but hey. Always a pleasure chopping it up, breaking it down. Dane Vandernat checking in from Kansas City as he prepares for his travels out to Kansas State this weekend. Dane, uh, we'll do it again next week, my man. And I think we'll be chatting on a call in a couple hours. So we'll see you later, my my brother. Always looking forward to it, Rick. Appreciate the time, buddy. Absolutely. Dane Vandernat. Nobody breaks it down uh, better than Dane. Ten years as director of pro personnel now. Uh, we're going on four or five years at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Looking for talent. It's what we do. NFL Draft Bible since 2002. Check us out over on the Sports Illustrated. Check out NFLPA Collegiate Bowl for all of our scouting reports and uh, NFLPA Bowl alumni. When we come back, I talked to you a little bit at the top of the show about the maturation of Jalen Hurts. One step closer to that contract extension. We're going to break it all down after the break with Neil Stratton, CEO and founder of of InsideTheLeague.com. It's all brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. We'll be back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. 
back at it again. Rick Serratella here on the Football Playbook with you. Part 13 edition on this Thursday, September 15th, 2022. Uh, so happy to have our good friend Dane Vandernet with us each and every Thursday. Learned so much from that man. Uh, just listening to him talk about evaluation and prospects. Uh, we could do that for days and we'll do it as we count you down to the 2023 NFL draft, just 226 days away. But who's really keeping track of that? We are over at the NFL Draft Bible. And uh, Dane checking in from Kansas City, where the home of the 2023 NFL Draft will be right there in his own backyard in Kansas City. I know he was out there in Camp Randall and uh, enjoying the tailgating out there. I got news for you. Some of the best tailgating I've experienced was uh, being out at the uh, uh, St. Louis Rams and some of the barbecue and um, – and uh, stuff out there. Okay, so Neil Stratton is coming up in a half hour. I got my times wrong, so he'll come up at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, which is just 30 minutes from now, or not even, 25 minutes from now. Uh, So we're just keeping tabs on everything. So what I'll do, I was going to save my Thursday night football preview for the end of the show. We'll wrap up with Neil Stratton. So let's get into a little bit of Thursday night football tonight, huh? A little bit of back to the NFL. Um, 8-15 kickoff, Chargers, Chiefs, 1-0 affair, AFC West showdown, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit on the call. I guess that means it's on Amazon, right? Um, So, hey, this is a rivalry matchup right uh chiefs lead the all-time series 65 to 57 uh one tie throughout their history this was a coin toss game last year they played twice they split it uh back in september the chargers got the better of the chiefs 30 to 24 chiefs got revenge later on in the year uh in overtime in december 34-28, so two high-scoring affairs in this matchup. Have not checked the Vegas lines. I think the beginning of the week, it was somewhere around 52 points. Life's too short for the under in this one, right? You got to go over. Uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Now, Keenan Allen, from what I saw yesterday, has been ruled out. For this matchup, Keenan Allen ruled out. Now, that moves the needle for me just a little bit, just a little bit, because that was an area where I thought the Chargers had an advantage was the receiving with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. We talked about one-two tandems yesterday on yesterday's show. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. And I know – uh Juju Smith-Schuster was brought over in Kansas City. Uh, Marquez, uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantlin, another guy that I think we had at the NFL PA Bowl. But um, McCole Hardman has stepped up. I would say Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman, probably the Chiefs' one-two punch. Give me Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is a much better tandem. But with Keenan Allen being out, I think the Chiefs have an edge in this one at home coming off a high-scoring affair last week against the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals, oh, by the way, blitzed Patrick Mahomes 21 times. He made him pay. I think he had five touchdown passes. Is that right? He lit him up like the 4th of July. 
I think the Chiefs will be lighting it up and putting a lot of points on the board in this affair. Keep a lookout for my guy from Rutgers, Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco is a stud. This guy, I remember scouting him in person and saying, this is a thoroughbred. This guy is so rocked up. And I think he ran in the 4-4 range. I mean, he's got to be around 5'11", 200-plus pounds, 4-4 speed, three-down back who could run, catch, and block. It's just a matter of time. If he's not starting tonight over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it's just a matter of time, in my opinion. Isaiah Pacheco, this is going to be a big-time starting running back in the National Football League. Remember, you heard it here first on the football playbook. Nick Bolton on the defensive side, this is a typical hair-on-fire linebacker that I want to highlight. Um, he had his fourth, I think, career double-digit tackle game, 10 tackles last week. Undersized linebacker coming out of Missouri. Maybe didn't go as high as he should have because of that. Big-time player, as is Legarius Sneed, uh, somebody we had at NFL PA Bowl, and we said, why the heck is he here? Why isn't he in the Senior Bowl? Why isn't he playing at – the East-West Shrine game, no. We had him at the NFL PA Bowl. He's got a long wingspan. He came in, has been starting since day one. Uh, so some players on the defensive side to keep an eye on there for the Chiefs that I think will make an impact in this game. Now, we mentioned Keenan Allen out. What does that mean? It probably means a lot more Austin Eckler, Eckler uh, in the in the mix. This guy, he's a do-it-all kind of back. Uh, you know, Dane mentioned Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State. You know, Austin Eckler, similar small, multi-dimensional running back uh, for the Chargers. He'll probably get 25-plus touches, if I were to guess. Um, of course, Justin Herbert, outside of Patrick Mahomes, maybe Herbert had the biggest week of uh, in terms of starting quarterbacks around the league. I think between Herbert and Mahomes, the the two of them probably accounted for uh, over 800 yards passing, eight or nine touchdown passes last year. Now they're going to go mano a mano. This is going to be a wild, high-scoring affair. Uh, on the defensive side now, Khalil Mack had like three sacks, four tackles for a loss. I think he forced a fumble, got his hands on another batted-down pass. This one-two combination of Joey Bosa – and Khalil Mack. You want to talk about tandems and duos? Wow. That's a he that's a heck of a matchup to be accounted for on this Kansas City Chiefs offensive line that seems to kind of remake itself every offseason. I mean, Bosa and Mack, when they're healthy and right, that's a handful. Oh, by the way, he got Derwin James there on the back end who they, they will move around and disguise and utilize in a way, in an array of ways. They'll, they'll put them up on the line of scrimmage. They'll use them as a blitzer. They'll drop them back as a center fielder. Derwin James, again, when healthy, because he's had his injury woes as well, this, this Chargers defense has been the issue. They haven't been able to stay healthy. When healthy, this is a really solid roster from top to bottom. You can argue maybe the best roster in the AFC West Durability has been a concern. Oh, by the way, Asante Samuel Jr. playing big 
for the Chargers week one. He had a big game-changing interception, two pass deflections. Um, Ed Kratz, who joined us on Tuesday, I saw his compadre for Eagles today, Connor, Connor, uh, Miles Connor, I think it is over there, interviewed Asante Samuel Sr. yesterday. That's up there if you want to get Asante Samuel's uh, breakdown on how to prepare for Kirk Cousins. His son, Asante Samuel Jr., doing big thing for the Chargers, will be buckled up, primetime affair, Thursday night football, 8-15 kickoff. And I just might, I just might tune into the radio broadcast of Ian Eagle and Tony Bazzelli on the Westwood One broadcast. So that's your Thursday night football. I'm going to go. I see another five touchdowns for Kansas City this week. Maybe a field goal is in there. I'm going to go Chiefs 38, Chargers 31. High scoring affair. Just not enough there to get it done for the Chargers. I like the Chiefs at home. Uh, let's bring in Tone from behind the scenes onto the stream, get his opinion on this Thursday night football affair. Tone, you back there? You with us? Maybe not. Well, he got some run. There he is. Popping <laughs> up. <laughs> I put you on the spot, Tone. Hey, listen, I had, I had to build the suspense. Riggs, all about the suspense. <laughs> Thursday night football, my man. Chargers, Chiefs. This is going to be a high-scoring affair. How do you see this one breaking down? Oh, man, Thursday night football. You know, the last Thursday night football we had, you know, Bills, Rams, that one was a bit underwhelming because we expected more from the Rams, obviously. But, you know, this one, I'll be honest, I just love when the Chiefs and the Chargers meet up. I watched the last game. I think I think their last matchup was a Thursday night football game, right? Yeah, and- they, they played twice last year. And the last one was in December, 34-28. Chiefs won in overtime. The and I previous- watched the game from beginning yeah. to end. And yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is how a quarterback position is supposed to be played. Like, it, it was it was just beautiful quarterbacking, like, through and through. And, you know, it was just pure emotion. You saw ups, downs. You saw turnovers. You saw you saw fourth uh, fourth down conversions, fourth down, fourth down failure. Shout out to Brandon Staley. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I got to say, you know, as even though the Chiefs won that game, I think the Chargers lost that game more so than the Chiefs won it because Brandon Staley just – he just yeah. doesn't understand situational football, if you ask me. Um, analytics. He just, every, he's, an, he's an analytics guy. But, you know, it, it comes a point in time where you have to just take the points. <laughs> just take the points. Or go with your gut. Or go with your gut, right? Or go, like, I think or that's go with the thing gut. that analytics guys get carried away with. Like, they they discount the ebb and flow of the game. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So and do you think the Chargers can overcome this loss of Keenan Allen, who I saw was ruled out yesterday? <sighs> that's a tough question. That actually – I think the bigger question is, can Justin Herbert elevate the guys around him, you know, to fill that void, right? Um, Mike Williams had a – I mean, I can't quite remember. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Mike Williams had a quiet week last week. and uh, I don't remember – yeah, I don't remember anything. Yeah, so big. I I got to be honest with you. I want to – I have to take the Chiefs in this situation because they're fully loaded. Granted, they obviously don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, but Patrick Mahomes made a statement last week indicating that Tyreek Hill who? So so I think I think it's gonna be really key 
um, for Justin Herbert to be able to try to elevate those guys around him. And, you know, Justin Herbert is a guy who's, even though he's kind of like, the you know, the wonder boy of the NFL, he's been under some scrutiny as well um, in terms of just being this uber talented player, this guy who gives you the numbers, but he just can't crack the playoffs. He can't crack double digit wins for some reason, but it's a competitive division. It's a competitive conference. So um, I think I'm going to have to take the chiefs in this matchup tonight, but it's going to be high scoring. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it came up to a game winning drive by Patrick Mahomes. No, it's, it's, it's a coin toss kind of game. And uh, Justin Herbert, another one, you know, along with Jalen Hurts keeping their eye on that Lamar Jackson contract negotiation, which is oh, going to yeah. now spill into the <laughs> oh, offseason, yeah. it looks like. Lamar Jackson, by the way, came out and it, he was asked about his contract again right. and said, you know, respectfully, I decline to answer. I've moved on. So he's just going to put that off to the offseason. But you're right. Like, Herbert has yet to make the playoffs. Lamar Jackson has been a one-and-done easy out in the playoffs. Justin Herbert hasn't even made the playoffs. Hard to command top dollar when you can't even get your team to the playoffs. But to me, you 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 hit the nail on the head. Brandon Staley, shout out to that man. Hey, he's out of there if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, sometimes you're too smart for your own good, right? Absolutely. So, let me ask you this, though, because when, when Keenan Allen is on the field, he reminds me of a Devonta Smith because he's such a great route runner. Mike Williams, a big-bodied physical pass catcher, much like A.J. Brown. I talked about it on yesterday's show and rankled a few feathers, pun intended. I said, you know, give me Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen over A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. And, oh, by the way, can you name me a better one-two tandem in the league? Where do you kind of sit with that whole wide receiver duo? You put me in the pickle. Don't disappoint the Philly faithful tone. Man. I'm going to tell you right now, Rick. I don't appreciate this line of questioning. I'm going to I'm going to make it very clear. <laughs> but um, you know we you know we have to go with we have to go with the tried and true product, and we have to go with the most production. As talented as AJ Brown is, as dominant as he was last week, let's put it into perspective. A.J. Brown is a player who has kind of struggled to stay healthy for a full season these past couple years. That's the reality. And even though he's an even though he's an elite talent throughout his career, his numbers aren't necessarily elite. Hear me out on this, people. He has elite talent. He has elite gameplay. But the numbers don't match up to the player that he is. So I expect him to actually have a career year this year. But when you compare it to Justin Jefferson, a guy who has been able to stay healthy, a guy who has delivered, a guy who is elite, a guy who arguably is the number one wide receiver in this NFL. I think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. Someone someone has to come out and show me he isn't. But and then you pair that and then you pair that with Adam Thielen, a guy who has regularly had double digit touchdown seasons, a guy who is a pure route runner, a guy who knows how to get open, a guy who was underrated, didn't come into the league being highly touted, but he made a name for himself. And he, let's be honest, he was the him and that him and that Stefan Diggs combo. There was moments where he was the feature wide receiver over Stefan Diggs. So I if I if I if you had to put a gun in my head, if you had to put a gun in my head, and also if you had to put a nuke pointed at my house. <laughs> I would I would have to choose the Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen combo because Devontae Smith still is a guy who's trying to make a name for himself. He's relatively unproven in the long term. Adam Thielen is a tried and true product. Justin Jefferson over three thousand yards in three seasons. You can't argue against that. Yeah, and you know what? Um, Keenan McCardle, now the wide receiver coach for Minnesota, 
a damn good wide receiver in his own right. He played 17 years in the NFL and was considered one of the top wide receiving coaches in the league until Urban Meyer came to Jacksonville and <laughs> jettisoned him out of there. But he's with Minnesota now. And I only mention that because he was also the wide receiver coach at Maryland when Stefan Diggs was there. So interesting little, little tidbit. And I talked about yesterday, you know, the Kevin O'Connell coaching staff and the, and the experience he kind of surrounded himself with. Right. And, you know, with Johnny Mac's report yesterday about Howie Roseman now sitting in on the game plan and scheme, and I questioned why, you know, why did Nick Seriani not have these veteran coaches? Well, I'm starting to think, Tone, maybe after the Doug Peterson regime, maybe he doesn't want strong personalities. Maybe he just wants puppets in there that he could come in, bully around, tell him what to do. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to Ed Donatel or Mike Pettin or uh, even a Greg Minuski. These guys have been hanging around in the National Football League for 30 years. They might be strongly opinionated and give Howie some pushback. I don't see Nick Sariani and Jonathan and Shay, I don't see these guys giving Howie much pushback. What's your thoughts with that? No, you're absolutely right. Harry Roseman is a very he's very ego he's very ego driven, and he wasn't always that way. Uh, he became that way after the Chip Kelly era. Um, after Chip Kelly violated him and you know hit him in, you know hit him in the in, in the broom closet and you know and locked the door and threw away the key. Um, and once Harry Roseman found that key under the mat, you know he vowed that he will never ever you know, be locked away again. He would never be boxed out again by another coach. So, you know, that, you know, that shows you why the Doug Peterson era ended the way it did. A guy who brought a Super Bowl, Super Bowl championship to the city. And, you know, by doing so, you're naturally going to ask for more clout. You're naturally going to ask more say-so. And when you step on Harry Roseman's toes, a guy who essentially brought us back from purgatory at the Chip Kelly era, you know, with his personnel decisions and stuff like that, you're naturally going to have an ego. You're naturally go you're going to feel validated after winning a Super Bowl, and you're naturally going to wonder, okay, was it really me? Was it really Doug? So at the end of the day, Howie has the closest ties to the owner, and nine times out of ten, the owner's going to side with the guy who built the roster rather than the guy that coached it because, you know, it's hard to find a GM these days, whereas though, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there and some people may feel differently about that. But, you know, Howard Roseman has always been ego driven and he's not going to allow someone to come in to um, step on his toes and change the way he wants to do things. So Nick Sirianni, he brought in a guy that was unproven, a guy that's going to, you know, essentially kiss the ring. And um, I don't like the fact that the coaching staff is so young. I would have liked personally to have had some more experience on that defense side of the ball at the very least. Um, I kind of like the way Sean McVay did it at one point when he came in. He had Wade Phillips as his D coordinator. So that's that's kind of how I like to do it. Um, had that that perfect blend of youth, innovation, and um, veteran leadership, just how I like my teams built. So, yeah, Harry Roseman is that guy, man. Um, his ego will dominate anything. But one thing I will say, though, he has built a hell of a roster, and you got to give credit where credit is due. But Nick Sirianni, you got to ask yourself, if Nick Sirianni starts to you know make some noise, will Harry Roseman, um, do the same thing that he did to Doug. Yeah, I don't. I see. I see Sariani falling in line. Oh, by the way, uh, I had a chance to watch his interview with Dave Spadaro on the Eagles.com, and one thing that he said that stood out to me, which is what I kind of echoed in the opening segment, was Jalen's been showing us the next step all season. Every single day, we've seen improvement. I stated in the beginning of the show. It's right there in front of your face. People see it, but they're still hesitant to believe it. 
We're going to have Neil Stratton on coming up after the break, but talk about Jalen Hurts. Where does he go from here? What does a contract extension look like from here? But if he, despite all the hits, despite all the rushing attempts, Jalen Hurts still won this game, and he's running into a contract extension if he continues to play this way. And Nick Sariani pretty much said as much, like he has taken the next step. He's proven us that. And I thought we saw it, man. The pocket poise, the deep ball accuracy, the ability to improvise. Yeah, he's not your traditional passing quarterback, but give this man some credit for his way of winning. And not a, not a lot of quarterbacks can win how Jalen wins. Yeah, um, I would agree with you 100. percent um, Look, it's not a beauty. It's not. It's not a beauty pageant, right? It's a game of wins and losses. And you know, if you're winning, hey, who cares how it looks? And if you're losing, we definitely care how that looks. You know, it's it's one of those things like you know, you damned if you do, damned if you don't with Jalen Hurts. So as long as for me, if Jalen Hurts just continues to win, continues to make those strides in his decision making, because he's not the most talented when it comes to being a passer, right? But where he's going to have to separate himself. From the you know from everyone else is his decision making, his leadership, his poise, um, his placement. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he has an arm that's serviceable enough that you can make the throws that you need to make within this offense. So they're not asking him to throw the ball in you know keyhole windows, but it, it, he had one throw where he threw to Devontae Smith on a slant. I mean, not Devontae Smith, um, AJ Brown on a slant. Uh, I think it was RPO. I think that I know a lot of people love that deep ball he threw, but me personally, that was my favorite throw. Um, I think uh, I think it was when AJ Brown, you know, he was uh, he was on the left side of the field. He uh, he cut a slant across the middle, and I think he and, broke a few. And Jalen led him beautifully. He he let gave him, him the, and and Brown snatched it out of the air, perfect exactly. ball placement, and gave him the momentum to pick he up. He fit it right between two right. defenders. It was it was it was such a beautiful pass to me. Again, people love that deep ball, but. I think that's the ball that showed me that okay, he's improved in terms of just that timing, um, and just th- that trust at the end of the day. And um, you know, really quickly before we get Neil on, I want to also say at this point, I know a lot of people were upset about Devontae not getting any touches. Yeah. Um, they tried, they tried to get it to him, but it just didn't seem like the ball was bouncing his way today. But I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think this offense, you know. You know, read the writing that was on the wall. They, you know, they 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 went with the flow of the game, and AJ was just getting open, and AJ was just hot. And also, it was an opportunity just to, you know, uh, for lack of better terms, pop the cherry on that new weapon. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it was um, it was. I'm not I'm not going to be too concerned about it. I would be concerned if it's a trend. You know what I'm saying? If we're week four, or week five, and Devonta Smith has less than 25 catches, then I have I have concerns. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate the time here, Tone. Behind the scenes, occasionally we pop him on the scene here, and uh, he's been holding it down since 7 a.m. Uh, with the Jeff Kerr around the NFC East, followed by Mac and Mac Birds 365, of course, football playbook here. Taking you up to the noontime hour with the Sports Take guys. Xander will be behind the scenes once we hit that. When we come back from the commercial break, however, we're going to get more into the Jalen Hurts situation. How does it play out? What could a contract look like with the one, the only, Neil Stratton, creator and founder of InsideTheLeague.com. It's all brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts in Atlantic City. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. 
go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go back. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Again, it's a football playbook with your boy RIC and a place to be. Rick Saratella here at the Jersey Shore broadcasting around the universe on this Thursday, September 15th, part 13 edition. And we are, you know, an hour and a half into the show. We had a good friend, Dane Vandernat, on last segment, along with Tone behind the scenes, getting some uh, FaceTime in today. I saw Jody Mack was a little bit late to the party on the uh, birds 365 show. So tone had to step in there. So we always appreciate getting his perspective. And we've been talking a lot about Jalen hurts on this show. I opened up with the segment saying, Hey, buckle up, enjoy the ride. It's just a mystical, magical carpet ride that Jalen hurts is taking us along here. I truly believe he's going to exceed expectations. I truly believe the Eagles are in for a deep playoff run and what does that mean for the contract negotiations that could potentially come up as he enters his final year of his rookie contract? Well, here to break it down is the one, the only, 
Neil Stratton of InsideTheLeague.com. Nobody's got his finger on the pulse when it comes to the agent and scouting community. Checking in from Katy, Texas, the DFW area down there. Neil, good morning, brother. Good to see you. Good to be here, Rick. I appreciate you having me back. It is uh, it's a Houston themed uh, day, man. We got Jalen Hurts talking. He's a he's a Houston boy just like me. So uh, yeah, we're uh, we're bringing it back to you from the Lone Star State down here. Hold okay, down. very cool. Well, so. Are you familiar with Jalen Hurts going back to his high school days? Was he a big-time Texas high school player? Yeah, he was. Um, I mean, look, Alabama doesn't recruit players that are big-time. And uh, so, yeah, he was a, a major player down here, played for his dad at Channel View High School, and uh, had a lot of success, was much the same player that he's become, kind of a, a dual-threat kind of guy, obviously very mobile and a great athlete, and uh, has been able to replicate that on the next stage. I mean, I have a lot of respect for him, really – have followed him for a long time. His willingness to kind of sit initially and then, you know, leave. And I don't blame him for going to Oklahoma, certainly, and then going and is, was able to replicate his success there. And uh, he's been able to kind of, against the odds to some degree, become, I think, an established uh, starter and, and and a rising star in the NFL. So I think you got yourself a good one. I mean, we talk about my Saints all the time. I mean, he made his, his coming out party was against the Saints, I guess it was two seasons ago. And boy, really made my boys look bad. So, uh, you know, he's he's just kind of continued to build on that. And um, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah, he can get you hurt, especially you want to run the blitz at him. He'll make you pay. Uh, the Lions, 15 blitzes. Only Patrick Mahomes got blitzed more last week. And you saw both of those guys, Mahomes and Hurts, can, can beat you with the feet when they need to. And so I liked what I saw with Jalen Hurts. We've, saw, we've seen him get rid of the ball much quicker, uh, the touch, the ball placement. I think the poise and the, the, the demeanor, both on and off the field, I was so thoroughly impressed with his poise, not in the pocket, but his poise with the media at the Heisman Trophy presentation, the way he conducted himself. And then we both saw it at the Senior Bowl where he was just the star of the show and fans, media, coaches, scouts – I mean, he was probably tugged in more directions than any player down there that week, and he took it all in stride, handled it like a true professional. I'm just curious if you caught any of that just being around him off the field. I haven't. I haven't. However, I have spoken to scouts about him, and uh, I actually had a conversation with uh, a member of the uh, Eagle scouting staff last year, and he was still not sold. But I think if I had that conversation with him again, he may have a different opinion. I mean, this kid is growing, and, and I think he's making strides every year. And I think it says a lot for him. He's doing what he needs to do. And, uh, again, the needle's pointing up for him. Well, they're going to have to come to some determination soon because he will be entering the final year of his rookie contract after the season. Uh, we've seen, you know, some some quarterback – contract disputes in, in recent uh memory you know kyle kyler murray wasn't exactly the most glamorous contract negotiation lamar jackson who's representing himself now uh is saying hey you know what let's pump the brakes we'll shelf this to the offseason and negotiate then uh howie roseman you know uh, look no further than jordan mulata as example a there's been numerous cases of howie trying to get a hometown discount when he looks to extend players however as you know quarterbacks a different nature of the beast right because you guarantee big bucks to the quarterback that has trickle down ramifications for years to come uh i'm curious to know 
I, I've mentioned Nicole Lynn on my show, who is the uh, certified NFLPA representative agent advisor for the Jalen Hurts. What can you tell us about Nicole Lynn? What can you tell us about how a potential Jalen Hurts contract negotiation could shape up during the offseason? Well, there's a couple of things to know. Number one, Nicole, uh, I know Nicole pretty well. We, uh, Our service did all their interview prep for all their draft picks this, this year. I think they had uh, eight players drafted somewhere in that, in that range, uh, a number of first rounders, of course. Uh, Nicole's a very engaging person. She's an incredible recruiter. She's done an incredible job at Alabama. She has consistently picked some of the best apples off the tree there. And if she wants to continue to do that, She's really going to have to take care of Jalen. So I think to some degree, this is going to be a high stakes negotiation for Nicole, because not only is it her first quarterback to do, but it's also, I think a lot of those players in Alabama are going to be watching this to see if she can really bring home the goods for the players that come out of that program. So that's something I think that's important to monitor. At the same time, uh, Clutch Sports Group has shown a willingness to work with teams. Um, For example, Alvin Kamara uh, was up for uh, renegotiation on his second deal. I believe it was a year ago, maybe two years ago. Now, Nicole didn't, doesn't handle Alvin per se, but uh, Demarius, who uh, does, was willing to work with a team, kind of come to uh, make it a deal that's, I think, team and player friendly. And so I, I think we could see that with Nicole as well. Um, you know, you're, the first time you negotiate a big deal like this, you really want to hit a home run. What's going to be the determining factor? You know, we've seen this with all the major quarterbacks that have come through lately. You know, the Russell Wilsons, the Deshaun Watsons. Um, what we're seeing with Lamar Jackson is the guaranteed money. It's all in the signing bonus, and, you know, and not not just the signing bonus, but how much of their you know of what they actually signed for, what they actually see. You know, so often you get uh, the reports on these deals, and oh, here's the average salary, and all those kind of things. Well. The truth is that the numbers are quite a bit lower than what maybe the agent wanted the writer to put out there because it's all about the guaranteed money. It's about the signing bonus, et cetera, et cetera. That's become a major hinge on all these deals. And so yeah, that'll be, I guess that's going to be determining you know, how much does Hertz want? Does he feel like he has proven that he's worthy of this kind of guaranteed money? And how will Howie Roseman approach that? And how accepting is he, is he of that? I, I think that they still... I don't think this is going to become something that really becomes contentious, but there are a lot of factors there that I think need to be weighed that could make it an interesting negotiation. All right. Well, they might not become contentious, but at at a certain point, again, if Jalen plays like he did in week one, say the Eagles are off to an eight and two start, clearly they're going to say, Hey, this is the guy, this is our franchise quarterback. Do does, does Howie Roseman engage in that contract negotiation in season, trying to get that discounted deal? Does, do you think he waits till the off season or how, how, what, what are the percentages that Jalen hurts just plays this rookie deal out? Is that, is that a potential uh, possibility here on the table? I think it's a possibility. The thing that you have to weigh is that clutch is still a rather young agency and they haven't really, we don't, we, they don't have a template per se on how they like to do business. So, whether or not they want to get things done early, whether or not they want to negotiate in season, that's all kind of TBA. And we really won't know that until after we see how this is completed. I I, I could speculate on it, but I think at this point it's really hard to say. I, I, I think there's a good possibility, however, if they continue to play well and Hertz continues to succeed and do the things he's been doing really for the last year and a half, year plus, what have you, then I could see them wanting to uh, to do something sooner rather than later, I think. 
uh, you know, I give Rosen, Rosen to some degree, he's kind of got that same uh, Jalen Hurts uh, motif, shall we say, of his career. I mean, he, he kind of got sent to the woods with Chip Kelly, but then he came back. You never, ever see a GM do that and then come back strong and, and really kind of reassert himself. So, I mean, take, you know, I take nothing away from, from what Tone was saying in the last segment. Obviously, everybody's got their ego. You and me both do as well. But I give Roseman credit for being willing to kind of take a lesser role, let the Chip Kelly era play out, and then come back and, again, kind of reassert himself. And you've seen him. He got to completely retool the scouting department in the offseason, got rid of some veterans, brought in some other people that maybe weren't as proven. That um, you know, he's And he's kind of stuck his neck out there. So I, I have respect for what Roseman's doing. I, I give him uh, a lot of credit for having the confidence of his convictions. Neil Stratton inside the league.com. If you got a question, big shout out to all the chat room people I see in there, Daz, GG, all my chat room peeps. If you got a question for Neil, let us know. But you mentioned Howie Roseman, something we haven't discussed a lot on this show. A lot of moving and shaking in that front office, mm-hmm. executives, decision makers, scouts. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that pans out during the next draft cycle. However, I know you're always talking to scouts around the league, decision makers, GMs, and such. And one of the questions that you posed to the league this week, I know, is how exactly do you judge a scouting department? We had Dane Vandernat on, who served as director of pro personnel for the Raiders for 10 years. Obviously, you got the pro personnel department. You got the college scouting department that there was a lot of moving and shaking with the Eagles. He had to come to some conclusion that he needed to find new scouts how exactly does he go about the process of weighing who's doing a good job, who's effective, who's get, get, getting us the players that we need to put us in uh, situational success? You know, every team's got a different metric on how they decide that. Some of them are largely related. You know, it's kind of relational. We've, You and I, going back for years, have discussed how so many times scouts are hired based on, you know, how close they are to the GM and how friendly they are. We're starting to see teams – kind of divorce themselves from that and make it a lot more objective rather than subjective. For example, the Cardinals are doing, and I haven't got a chance to really dig into this and explore it, but they're actually giving awards to scouts on staff based on, I guess, the number of players they scout, how many of them are hits, et cetera, et cetera. We, we don't know how the Eagles do that, or at least I don't know how the Eagles do that right now, but, but I do know that they brought in some season guys. They've also lost some season guys. I mean, I think adding uh, the, uh, the name escapes me right now, but the, the high-level executive they brought in from the from the Steelers benefits them this year, uh, who lost out on the GM race, and uh, so they've got a lot of things going for them. And uh, but I one I think, I think one way to measure that their success is how many players that they drafted are still in the league. That's one thing we'll be looking at in the Friday wrap tomorrow is you know which teams have the most players still bounce around the league, still are still on rosters. I think it's a good way to look. You know, if you're a talented team. Not every draft pick is going to make your roster every year. You, you can only take 53 players after all, and you're probably going to have good players that they've got to compete with. But if those guys can go, go somewhere else and succeed, to me that's a pretty good measure of, of that you're doing things right. No, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, of course, the Friday wrap, if you don't know, is delivered to the inbox every Friday night around 7 p.m. Eastern or so. But you can sign up at InsideTheLeague.com. If you want to be in the know of just the business of football, Go, go to InsideTheLeague.com and you'll get Neil's free newsletter every Friday. But I'm curious to see the results of this because, 
you know, not only how many former Eagles draft picks are still out there on other teams' rosters, but we've seen Roseman is also kind of try to catch lightning in a bottle with just this week, Janarius Robinson, a fourth-round pick just a year ago, plucked off of the Vikings practice squad this week. Hey, former draft pick, fourth-round guy, plays, uh, you know, our our defensive scheme. Let's, let's give him a shot. Let's see what he's got. Uh, Trey Sermon, I think, you know, top 100 guy. Just a year or two ago from the 49ers, mm-hmm. Eagles take a flyer like, hey, there's a reason why this guy went 88th overall or whatever it is, playing big time football at Ohio State. So it'll be interesting to see how many Eagles play. You know, Jalen Rager is a first round guy. They had to give up on him. He, they're going to face their old good friend uh, on those Vikings this week. So little, little bit of gamesmanship we talked about, but. Uh, will be interesting to see how that data comes back. And you're right. There's no secret sauce. That's the beauty of evaluation and scouting. There's a million ways to skin a cat. Every organization has a different philosophy. And it will also be interesting to see how these changes in the Eagles front office come about come draft season and how that impacts the draft process. So, hey, uh, I know also today is Thursday, which means your uh, blog succeed in football.com every Thursday. There's a new post there. Uh, you know, NFL PA, my compadres here, uh, they conduct the, the NFL PA agent exam enabled mm-hmm. to get certified like Nicole Lynn and be able to represent guys like Jalen hurts. You've got to pass a test. And so there was a lot of glitches, a lot of technical difficulties this year. Uh, what are you going to be breaking down and enlightening us upon the whole situation here? First of all, no reflection on you and Dane. Y'all, y'all have nothing to do with the exam. Yeah. Right? So first, we got to get that out of the way. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a lot of the problem this year was it's the second year with the NFLPA's exam uh, for agents that are seeking to be certified. They used a proctoring service. They had a little trouble last year. This year, they had a lot of trouble. Uh, just and uh, they're trying to sort all that out. We will kind of talk about the number of players, kind of alarming. I'm sorry, number of would be agents who were unable to take the exam uh, due to technical issues. It's a it's a major issue, and a lot of bugs are going to need to clean up. It's a little bit deeper dive at succeeded football. We're aiming it at people who are interested in breaking into the league and, and working in the league and that kind of thing. And so we're we're always talking about those topics. This week again, we're talking about the people this year's agent class. We'll also talk about the ones who did pass. And a little bit the ones that, about the ones that failed and why. And so we'll be talking about that in today's blog, which will be out probably this afternoon. All right. We'll uh, be keeping tabs on succeedingfootball.com. We'll check in on the Friday wrap. Uh, what else does Neil Stratton have cooking this weekend? Anything else going on? A little BBQ action one more time before. Oh, man, you're trying to stay cool. It's actually not quite as hot out there as it normally is down in Houston. We don't play when it comes to heat. But, uh, no, same old, same old stuff. I think, uh, you know, it's uh, – Football's back, and uh, we're loving it, just like everybody else. Yeah, man. Not not many better places to be uh, during football season than the great state of Texas, not uh, too far from DFW. There's tons of pro, college, high school, whatever you want. Uh, Neil Stratton will be on it down there. He'll be back with us next week. Always a pleasure, Neil. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the Football Playbook. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Rick. Y'all have a blessed day, and have a great football weekend. Absolutely. That's Neil Stratton. Nobody breaks it down when it comes to the agent and scouting community, peeling back the layers of the onion there. Uh, Clutch Sports Management, I believe, who he mentioned, Nicole Lynn, is is, um, part of that organization. A relatively new agency, 
Nicole Lynn, relatively new to the agent community. How does that pan out with the Jalen Hurts contract negotiations? Does Howie Roseman look to take advantage of that situation? Does he look to take advantage of, as Neil alluded to, a team-friendly deal such as an Alvin Kamara? Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, that's why we have Neil on. He gives us a whole different avenue and perspective inside the league. It's a, it's called Inside the League for a reason, and we're happy to have Neil Strand, a longtime uh, friend and familia of the NFL Draft Bible. Hey, uh, we are getting down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, Tone, we're going to take a quick commercial break, come back and wrap up the show. we got about 10 minutes or so until the sports take guys take over. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Football Playbook brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. Keep it locked. Don't go anywhere. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds.
Football Playbook TFB with RIC here, winding down on this Part 13 edition. Two hours of power almost in the books. It's unbelievable how much time flies when I'm talking football with my Philadelphia brethren. Big shout out to all the chat room people today holding it down with the conversation there. A lot of quarterback debates, getting the party started. Jalen Hurts, I like it, man. I like what I see. Hopefully you guys do too. Gigi, Wilfredo, Daz, all the folks there. Hit the like button. Show your boys some love, please. We got to get our algorithms up, I've been told. So we need to power up. Hit that like. Smash that like. Crush it. Destroy it. We appreciate all the love and support. We appreciate all the feedback. And a uh, big thank you to all of our guests today. Uh, Dane Vandernat, Executive Director, NFL PA Bowl. Neil Stratton, inside the league.com. Tone the Shields popping on from behind the stream and onto the scene. A couple little Eagles notes I didn't get to today that I just wanted to get off my chest. Some quick observations. Uh, also, I mentioned I saw the Dave Spadaro interview with Nick Sariani, uh, where he too was praising Jalen Hurts. He also had showered Marlon T with all kinds of praise and kudos in that interview. And so I know we've all been eager and antsy and itching for you know, Jordan Davis, excuse me, the number 14th overall selection to see the field more. You, you, you know, you use a first round pick. You want to see him be employed and implemented into the defensive schemes. I'll tell you what, the way Nick Sariani talked about Marlon T, I, I, I don't see Jordan Davis surpassing Marlon T on the depth chart anytime soon. Not the way Sariani was talking about him. He said, this guy, again, he said Jalen's been showing him the whole entire offseason, the strides and improvement. Marlon T, he said, basically said has been like the most improved player uh, that he's seen. So I think Marlon T is going to get a lot of play, not just early on in this season, but throughout the season. And suddenly Fletcher Cox, man, you should be looking over your shoulder. You should be looking over your shoulder. And I, and I tend to believe – the writing is on the wall for Fletcher Cox. I, I don't think Cox will be back next season. When you when you read the tea leaves, we just talked about a potential Jalen Hurts extension. We talked about the restructuring of the contracts last week, which could have been foreshadowing to a potential Javon Hargrave extension. They used a first-round pick on Jordan Davis. They love this kid, Marlon Tuapolotolo. And, oh, by the way, you have Milton Williams. Maybe Fletcher Cox should enjoy the ride while he can because we're just bringing him along. He's got to step his game up. Just saying. Somebody who did step his game up, and I gave him kudos on Monday, and I want to sing his praises a little bit more because I gave him some criticism leading up to the season, is, is Miles Sanders. You know, going back, re-watching the game, I liked what I saw from Miles Sanders. I think he too is taking the progression and next step here uh, of his overall game. But I, I love the vision, the patience, the acceleration, the burst, the cutback ability, and knowing when to shift gears because there was really good vision and patience where he let the blocks develop in front of him and then accelerated and burst through the hole for big chunks of guard big chunks of yardage when he needed to. I really liked what I saw from Miles Sanders. 
in terms of his progression and development. So that whole Eagles backfield hurts Sanders, you know, even Gainwell and Scott. I mean, they all stepped their game up now, like Jason Kelsey said, in the past blocking and picking up the blitz, we've got to step our game up and be an overall complete package, this Eagles offense, because they're going to have their hands full against the Vikings. This is not a game where you want to get into another track meet and a shootout like you did with the Lions, because say what you want about Kirk Cousins. He's better than Jared Goff. Say what you want about the Lions offense. The Vikings got some real weapons in Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Austin Eakler, uh, not Austin, <laughs> Dalvin Cook. We were talking about Thursday night football. We got that in, by the way. Uh, so just a couple things there. Jack Stoll, who Dane alluded to, great job in the blocking game overall. I thought him and Goddard did his thing. And Kaiser, uh, Kaiser White was just flying all over the field, sideline to sideline. His lateral coverage, really impressed with that. So um, we got it in. It's another edition, 13th part here on this football playbook episode with uh, your boy, Rick Saratella. Did you like what you heard? Did you like what you see? Please. Hit the like button. We'll be back at it again tomorrow with our good friend Eric Edholm, who is now at NFL.com. We'll get his perspective on the Eagles, his perspective around the league. We'll also have Coach John Filippo of your Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles back there. Um, he'll be making a cameo. He enjoyed himself so much. He's going to come back, talk some ball with us. I'll get his perspective on the Jalen Hurts performance and the Eagles offense as a whole. We'll see what he sees from Kirk Cousins and how to game plan against that Vikings defense. And I'll get my NFL pickums. I still haven't tallied up all the W's from my picks last week. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down, chop it all up. Uh, big thank you to Tone behind the scenes, Xander, Krause, all the people at the Jacob Sports Channel, subscribe so you can get all the show notification alerts. Hey, it kicks off at 7 a.m. It ends at 6 p.m. with Big Sills, Dan Cilio. Coming up next, though, is the sports take, guys. I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but the gun on one is back, so I've been told. And Derek Gunn has a podcast out there on Jacob Sports with Brandon Graham. I'm going to go listen to that now. I'll see you in the chat room for the sports take, guys right after this so don't go nowhere keep it locked right here on jacob sports youtube keep it locked in the chat room we thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you all again tomorrow go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit